0: So here we are and we're just considering where we are in terms of the text we're working with but in terms of our own hearts and minds you know, it'll be I'm aware that we're all in very different places so whether this text, as I've said to some of you, is the right thing to be hearing tonight or not, is for you to assess. And I've been encouraging people to (coughs) tune me out or tune me down if it's the wrong medicine, Mm? given what you're currently opening to, being available to. It's a skill. Or we are very careful when we listen. We listen from this place of settled presence. Particularly when there's no formally prepared talk. That we let things come and go. And some things resonate and are valuable. Other things don't make sense. Now, or maybe they will later, or maybe they never will. Maybe they never will sense. No, we just let things come and pass through. So really notice in listening, as in everything, what is happening, happening energetically for you. Stay in your own place. You know what I mean? You can feel your backs. So someone left me a question about having their back to the Buddha. You know, we've changed the hall around and usually if someone's teaching it's them with their back to the Buddha. So they get used to that experience, but for some of you it will be a new experience. and. No form, empty, emptiness form, there's a whole sense of what that means. And I would say, as we're listening, as we're doing things, for all of us to feel the Buddha behind us. That we have this awakened, compassionate presence. That we can just lean back into a little. It certainly helps me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that with that lineage behind me it's easier to be here. Mm-hmm. Just as it's easier you know, to sit in the hall when you feel a community with you. There are times to be alone, but there are times to feel the generative power of this field. So just checking how we relate to form. And then we come to Punaka's question. I hoped some of you spent some time before this with tisomethya, who in the world is happy? That's an important question that I'm not going into. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you're able to contemplate it for yourselves. This is the question he asks the Buddha just consider what despair that might come out of So as we pick up these different voices it can be helpful to just maybe feel quality of where this question might be coming out of. So the next is the Brahman student Punaka. I have come, he said, to ask the question of the one without desire, the one with root, depth, vision. It is this master that I would like you to explain. Why is it the wise people in the world The Brahmins, the rulers and others, have always offered sacrifices to the gods. These people, said the Buddha, were always making offerings to gods because, as they grew older, they wanted to preserve their lives as they were. But Master, said Punika, did they ever get beyond old age and birth by making these careful offerings? Their prayers, said the Buddha, their praises, their offerings, and aspirations were all made on a basis of possession, of reward. They longed for sensual pleasure. These people, these experts in offering, were delighting in the passion for coming. These people could not go beyond getting old and being born. You must explain this to me, Master, said Punaka. All the offerings of the experts, couldn't get them beyond ageing and birth. Who then of who of all people, of all the gods, has ever managed to go beyond? When a person has assessed the world from top to bottom, the Master said, when there is nothing in the world that raises a flicker of agitation, then they have become a person free from the smoke fumes, the tremblings and the hunger of desire. They have become calm, have gone beyond getting old. They have gone beyond being born. Some of you will notice I've altered the text a bit. Yep. Feels different, doesn't it? Mataji's question. Then the Brahmin student, Medita, asked this question. Master, he said, you are clearly a mind of full development and a master of knowledge. Where on earth do all the different kinds of suffering come from? This is a question, said the master, about the birth and growth of suffering. I will answer it in a way that I myself have found it, which is this. All the different forms of suffering develop from the basis Basic clinging. When a person does not realise this, they make the basic attachment. The sluggish mind will undergo suffering. When a person realises this, they should not make the basic attachment, seeing where suffering starts and grows. That clearly answers what I asked, sir, said Metagy. Please answer this one too, for me, because of your certain knowledge. How do wise people cross the ocean? How can they get beyond the aging process? How can they get beyond birth or sadness or sorrow? The master replied, I will explain to you the truth not based on hearsay. First, realize this way is one which can be known here and now as a result of which a mindfully living person releases their hold on the world. Master teacher, Metagy said, for me there can only be joy and delight to hear you talk about a supreme way which when a mindfully living person knows it, releases their hold on the world. The master continued, in every direction, there are things you know and recognize, above, below, around and within them. Do not look to them for rest or relief. Do not let consciousness dwell on the products of existence, on things that come and go. This is how the wandering disciple lives. They go from place to place, mindful and resolute. They do without cherished objects and come to understand the world. So they leave ageing and birth behind. They leave sadness and sorrow behind. And they let go of suffering here itself. These great words of wisdom are full of joy for me, said Metagrew. Gautama's description of non attachment is perfect. This master clearly has let go of suffering. He has found and understood, just as it is, the way things work. The people whom you, the wisdom master, regularly teach will certainly lose. Suffering. As for me, I have come here to honour you, to bow down before you a hero. I ask you, master, to give me frequent teachings. The master answered When you are aware that a person is a Brahman, a master of knowledge, a person with nothing, a creature with no ties to being or to pleasure, then Metagu, you, you have found an ocean crosser a traveller beyond the deserts and the doubts, a voyager who has reached the other shore. This is a knower, a master of knowledge, an adept who has dissipated the pull of constant becoming, a person who has lost the clinging, the trembling and the hunger, hunger of desire. This, I would say, is a person who has gone beyond getting old, They have gone beyond being born. Okay. So there is an incredible lot in that again. And as in my little template, you know I still see us really being in the second noble truth of the cause of suffering being clinging craving. Yeah? I'd like to, um, my sense is just to pick up on a couple of points within this. Right? And a couple of passages, so even our phrase. when there is nothing in the world that raises a flicker of agitation, then they have become a person free from the smoke fumes, the tremblings and the hunger of desire. They have become calm they have gone beyond getting all old they have gone beyond being born so this experience of being freed out of agitation. Freed out of the trembling is something I think is a really good investigation for us because Nibbāna is talked about as the unshakable deliverance of the heart. So the teachings offers the possibility that this experience we have, or can have, where we're being shaken around, we're trembling with contact and experience, that there is a way to be present in the world that is freed out of this agitation. There's a verse that relates to this that many of you will be familiar with if you've heard me before and it's a verse from the Dhammapada which I haven't read directly for years but someone reminded me of the other day when I saw them, or they saw me and the verse is become like a broken gong that is no longer resonant. There will be no harshness in you. You will be sure to realize Nibbana. And those of you that know me more, my teaching, that this is something I took for years, you know, when I set out to go around the monasteries and on pilgrimage, finding a place to practice, with a kind of bafflement. Become like a broken gong. What does it mean? What does it mean not to have a flicker of agitation? To be freed from the tremblings? So that when contact, when things strike us, they don't start reverberating into this great papancha, this great proliferation. It comes, it lands, and there's not just a whole arising out of it. And it's, to me, particularly in the Dhammapada verse, there is no harshness. You know, so we're freed out of <coughs> ill will. We're freed out of harmfulness in this experience. Like, hmm. What? what in my experience is this like? Yeah, when things happen, and we can see them directly, (coughs) we don't start proliferating. We know, know, in the seeing there is just a seeing, in the hearing there is just a hearing, in the cognizing there is just a cognizing. sense that we see, but we're not, we're not going into a whole delighting, craving, grasping. Hmm? We see more red food at mealtime. Hmm? And that's all it is. The food is red. It's not a whole, well, I wish they'd cook a different colour. It's a, it's a, it's about just being able to be with what happens without asking experience to be different. Some of this stuff we just have to sit with until we see, well, how does this relate to my experience? Does it sound like... Something you'd want. (laughs) To be freed out of agitation. To be a broken gong. just, Just really see how it feels. Because when I heard it, I thought, no. I can relate to the lack of harshness. I can relate to the realizing of Nibbana as something to have aspiration for. But this other experience doesn't make sense. So we, we examine it because we, again and again, the Buddha talks about it. So we think, well, what is he pointing to? So it's an inquiry we make, knowing that, as I said last night, this is, not, this is not a cognitive process. It has inquiry, but it's not about a philosophical thing. It's about his giving practical, direct response to a problem, to Punika's question. So yeah, what does it feel like? And in my day-to-day practice with this, I maintain attention on the heart, on the tiptoe, noticing what it's up to. Not tight attention because as we know, if we pay wherever we put attention, Energy gathers and it can get too constricted there. And the heart needs space. But really noticing what's happening. The the whole experience of wanting, not wanting. So something as I'm moving through my day, particularly when my work was really intense, was, is my heart open or is my heart closed? so checking if ill will is present noticing the response to things noticing when the agitation arises it's not that we're trying to you know, just turn it off the Buddha is saying that that is a result of being with the way things are this freeing up out of this painful experience. So we need to notice it. What's happening here? Feeling in the chitta, in the heart. What's happening in terms of the kind of mental formations that are happening? So we can practice with it in a very simple way, I find. Because we do need it simple, usually, so that we can maintain a reference to it amongst the complexities we find ourselves in. Where where we live, we're trying to We're doing practice, things that keep us embodied and present, and we're noticing. We're noticing the tremblings, the hunger. And we're told that there is this possibility of going beyond getting old beyond getting born and we know that this is what prompted the Buddha's path because he recognized these things and went on a whole journey to find out is it possible to be alive without that as our defining experience the, the kind of bodily Experience. And as we see later, he's also in a spiritual practice, he abandoned his teachers because they also did not teach the way beyond aging, sickness, and death. So his interest was in what works and that there is this possibility. Yeah, so each of us has to find our way of working with it, but it's even to keep in mind that there is this possibility. We don't have to be so thrown around by conditions, by mind states, by experience. It's not that we're shutting ourselves off, you know, Pulling down the blinds, <laughs> closing the door. It's about being really with the truth of things. Yeah. So maybe I leave that there. Some of these words are so beautiful to me. The the people whom you teach regularly, so those who who contemplate the teaching, will lose suffering, certainly. Well, that's very nice to (laughs) know. Isn't it? That it's worth attending. yeah so I don't want to go into some of these other aspects you know, because I think at this point it's just very nice to contemplate the the kind of joy Metaguse feeling he comes with this question about where all the different kinds of suffering come from. And the Buddha points him at the cause, clinging, craving. And then as they tease this out a bit, you hear his joy. It's such a joy and delight to hear you talk about his way which a mindful living person knows when they know it, it releases their hold on the world mm-hmm. so to take the encouragement that's here as we're working with what is arising because mm-hmm. he once again you know there's Mechagyu's piece ends with this sense that the person who's an adept has lost the trembling and hunger, they've gone beyond getting old, gone beyond being born. So constantly this sense of this possibility for us. There's a part here I thought to read. Maybe not. Maybe we won't go that way. We'll just keep it more simple and pick up on one other thing in this. It's that sense that they recite that here and now you can know. So it's what we're chanting in the morning. This way that can be known here and now. A possible open So it's a tricky thing, this, because there's this path to be cultivated which seems to be born in time. And the teaching is both timeless and apparent here and now. And you have to hold this paradox. There can be a kind of delusion that you've had to sit here for 30 years before you deserve to wake up. And that's not the teaching. Cultivations help, but when the heart is right, it's about really seeing the noble truth and that happens in an instant of gradual accumulation it's how do we once again, we don't want to trap ourselves in a sense that we're not ready it can be realised here and now and it may be a glimpse that it is possible to be freed out of this agitation and then the agitation arises all over again but we know that it's not permanent it's conditioned and it is the possibility if we develop conditions to come out of it. So really taking in some of the ways in Metagyu's question his response we know from the texts, not this one but that Metagyu completely woke up hearing this as did Punika As did Tismetia. As did Aditta. Yeah? So, he's come with suffering and heard the medicine. And in that here and nowness, in the immediacy of being present, he's understood it. just think about it and I find it can be really helpful to take just little bits of this and feel it grapple with it the bits that make least sense sometimes are the most fruitful this broken gong there's something in the whole little piece, there is no harshness you will realize nirvana, it has a kind of hook in it where you think, well yeah, and the rest of it doesn't make sense. So we, we know the teaching the Buddha gave was offered out of compassion that it can sound Life-denying, it can sound like a judgement, all of that stuff if we're not careful. But we're we're picking up what we can to help ourselves see more accurately. Enough for tonight.